Thanks for joining us at the Business Growth Cafe, where each week we select from a menu of topics for a focused discussion with an industry expert to provide insights that can impact your business's growth with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Hi, I'm Angelo Ponzi, your host here at the Business Growth Cafe, and thank you for joining us. I'd like to read a few quotes before we jump into today's show. I think there's relevance in them when it really comes to today's guest. So the first one, motivation is the catalyzing ingredient for every successful innovation. And that's from Clayton Christensen. He's an economist and a Harvard professor. The next one is from Thomas Watson, former CEO of IBM. To be successful, you have to have heart in your business and your business in your heart. Every problem is a gift. Without problems, we would not grow. That's from Tony Robbins. Conformity is the jailer of freedom and the enemy of growth. Do you know who that is? John F. Kennedy, our 35th president. And the most important thing to do if you find yourself in a hole is just stop digging. Warren Buffett. Joining me at the cafe today is Paul Worth, entrepreneur, EOS implementer, and his new venture founder and facilitator at CEO Access. We'll be right back to speak with Paul. A chief marketing officer has both the power and the responsibility to drive long-term strategic growth that can ultimately lead to organizational prosperity. And that growth starts with a vision. What is your firm's definition of success? Growth? How will you strategically work towards expansion, for example? Equally important, what is your customer's perception of your firm? And how well do you meet a need or deliver value? When you begin to align your vision with that of your customer, you build a stronger, lasting relationship with them. You see the whole picture, realizing the lifetime value of that customer, as well as the lifetime value you provide. A CMO must look at success with a strategic mindset, looking beyond the transactional. The CMO must understand the customer journey, utilizing the competitive intelligence, embracing and leveraging your unique market insights. If your business is ready for growth and you need a CMO, but you're not quite ready for a full-time person yet, I'd welcome the opportunity to explore the benefits of using a fractional CMO. Visit theponzagroup.com to learn more. I'm speaking with Paul Worth, entrepreneur, EOS implementer, and his new venture, founder and facilitator at CEO Access. Paul, welcome. Thank you, Angelo. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here. Um, I think we got a good show. We're going to dig into CEO Access. I have to admit, it's the first time I've heard of this organization, so we're going to dig into that. Um, I do have to spend a, just a few minutes about EOS, give you 30,000 foot, because I, I'm going to draw some references to that uh, when we start talking about CEO Access. But before we start, why don't we tell the audience a little bit about you and your background and anything you'd like to share? Well, fantastic. Thank you, Angelo. So uh, my name is Paul Worth, and I have a company, actually two companies. One is called Traction Minded, and then the other one is called CEO Access. Uh, my journey, you know, started off as uh, many of us have in our lives, you know, going to college and getting a degree in finance and banking, and then a master's degree in real estate development and management. Uh, held senior corporate positions in Fortune 500 companies in the home building and banking industry, where I managed multiple markets across the nation with hundreds of employees. And I also uh, had my own companies. I had a uh, infill home building business in Florida and a mortgage company here in California. And I started my executive coaching career in 2008 as a trained facilitator through an organization called the Edward Lowe Foundation. Uh, 
And then over the last couple of years, I picked up uh, implementing EOS, helping organizations improve, you know, how they run their businesses with their leadership team, with the entrepreneurial operating system as the base for how they run their businesses. Okay. So we have EOS, and we'll talk about that. And we have CEO access. Did, did, did you pick and select CEO access? I mean, how, how did you get to them versus the many other peer organizations that are out there? And is there, were there synergies between the two organizations that you found that you could utilize in your coaching and mentoring um, at, at the CEO peer group level? You know, it's a great question, Angelo. So I would tell you it's a combination of a couple of different things. First of all, as an EOS implementer, we, uh, we facilitate. We facilitate meetings with leadership teams. We help you know, derive the intellect from the group of leaders to come up with answers to the, you know, questions that they have about how they want to grow their business and improve their business. But as I had mentioned, you know, back in 2008, I was trained as a uh, facilitator of mastermind groups for chief executive officers through the Edward Lowe Foundation. And that's really where I developed my passion for helping business owners, CEOs, and others really kind of find answers to the biggest challenges that they have in their businesses, in their personal lives, and so forth, uh, by convening a group of business owners together to come up with solutions to help one another. Uh, I'm also a, a trained facilitator through Vistage, and so I bring all three of those experiences into my new practice, CEO Access. Okay, fantastic. So um, before we kind of jump into more about you and, and and the benefits of uh, CEO peer groups and EOS and all that good stuff, I like to ask a few questions of all my guests. So the first one is when you think about growing your business, this new business now, what keeps you up at night? You know, what keeps me up at night is just making certain that it is relevant to the target market that I'm looking to, uh, to attract. And you know, my new venture CEO access has a unique twist to it. Most of the peer groups that you are aware of out there in the marketplace cater directly to the business owners. But with CEO Access, we cater directly to organizations, to businesses, <clears throat> trade uh, and industry associations and nonprofits who cater to business owners. So what keeps me up at night is making certain that the message that I have for CEO Access will really resonate with that group of uh, organizations out there. Okay, so I gotta go back because you, you, you threw me a curveball, so I need to get a little more explanation on this. You're not dealing directly with the CEOs of organizations, but you're dealing with targeting organizations that deal with CEOs. Did I, make it, did I get that right? You, you got that right from the perspective in which CEO access, its primary objective is to help organizations retain key clients, and also to bring in uh, new key clients to their organizations. What we're finding out there is, is that there is a, a change going on in the marketplace where business owners are looking more for companies that give them an overall experience in working with them and not just to deliver a product or a service. And so what we're offering to organizations that cater to business owners is a pure mastermind group to help them attract and retain their key clients and enhance their brand and their reputation out of the marketplace. Okay. Ultimately, we will be working with those CEOs in mastermind groups 
but they will be the key clients and prospects of the organizations that we'll be working with. Okay. So if I flip this and called it access to CEOs, it kind of makes sense, right? I, you know what? I think I'm going to take that and I'm going to steal that. That was All right. So that, we're done. Goodbye. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Now it makes sense to me. Thank you for that explanation. Look at that. It triggered a thought. Um, hey, I am in marketing, you know, so that you I do come once in a while. <laughs> you have demonstrated your, uh, your, uh, your value. Um, so the next question, <clears throat> what is the best business advice you've ever given and or received if it's different? You know, so you were, you were, you were reading off some quotes earlier mm -hmm. and uh, there's a quote and I'll see if you might recall who is the one who, uh, who, uh, who mentioned the quote. Uh, and that is that, you know, you can get everything out of life you want by just helping enough other people get what they want. Do you remember who that might be? I, I don't. I like it, though, but I don't. It's Zig Ziglar. Oh, wow. And so I heard him mention that, oh, gosh, it must have been 30 years ago. And that's stuck say, with yeah. me throughout my entire career. All right. Well, you just returned the favor. I'm writing that one down. I remember Zig Ziglar from... Not to date myself, but 30 years ago, I was I was five then. Uh, so my father must have taken me to see him. I don't know. <laughs> okay, great. Um, what's the best compliment you've ever received? In professional? Uh, either one. Okay. You know, I would tell you that the best compliment that I've received uh, had to do with really helping people see things about themselves that they either ignored, didn't want to see, or just never even thought of, and that it helped catapult them to the next level in their personal life or in their career. Okay, okay. And uh, these, a couple of these are new, my new questions. So, uh, they'll all be go, new to me, Angela, because uh, I have they're all new to you. They're all new to you. If you could go back in time and talk to your 18 year old self, what would you say or what piece of advice would you give? To, uh, to smell the roses, to, to pause a little bit and really enjoy the moment. Um, I had this conversation with somebody just the other day that, you know, I'm the youngest of three boys and I always wanted to do what my brothers did. And uh, so I always wanted to advance quicker than I needed to. And that stayed with me throughout my whole life. And so uh, if I could go back and talk to my 18-year-old self, and sometimes I think I may display the maturity of an 18-year-old, <laughs> even at the age of 56, um, it would be to just slow down and enjoy, enjoy the moment more. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, you actually, um, when you were describing yourself, my, my youngest flashed in my mind because He's exactly always, you know, trying to achieve his, what his older brothers were doing. Uh, very aggressive, you know, wants to achieve better, faster, bigger, quicker than, than it's a competition. I tell him the other day, it's not a competition anymore, right? You're not, you're not little kids. Everybody will get the candy. So. <laughs> well, I, I remembered one time I cut junior high school to go with my brother to high school. And they had to hide me in the closets in the classroom so the teacher wouldn't see that, you know, there's some student in there that doesn't belong. <laughs> That's funny. 
That's funny. Uh, my last question, my standard question, if your journey as a business owner, entrepreneur was a book, what would the title be? Uncertain times. Uh, well, certain times in an uncertain world. I like that. Very nice. Is that the title of your book? Uh, it might be. It, it might, might be. be. It's a good one. I like it. Um, fantastic. So, um, so you're, a, I would call you a serial entrepreneur. You, you've had several businesses and you've had leadership roles and startups and fortune 500 companies. You've started three businesses, executive coaching, uh, residential mortgage and businesses. But when you decided to take that step and, and, and start your businesses, was there something that kind of leaving the corporate world that, to go is to be a, an entrepreneur and self-employed? Was there something that motivated you or was there a spark in your life? I, I'm always interested to know why someone takes that leap because it's not, I jokingly say to some of my guests, Oh, did you just wake up this morning and decide I'm going to start a business? And some of them have said yes. Others, you know, careful planning and, and all that kind of stuff. But, but to take that step, that first step, there, it, it, I, I believe it takes, there's something that motivates all of us to do that. What was yours? You know, I think it was always in my blood. <clears throat> my father died tragically when I was 11 years old. Uh, leaving my mother to bring up three boys on her own. And I grew up in New York. And um, it was a tough place to grow up, you know, um, with a single parent. And I found that if I wanted things in life, I had to earn the money myself. So at a very early age, probably 12 or 13 years old, I was very entrepreneurial. <clears throat> Most of my ventures were legal, though I won't talk about the others. Um, <laughs> But I, I had to be creative, whether it was, you know, working at an ice cream shop or uh, delivering goods for, you know, uh, a company uh, or even shoveling snow. Um, I was always entrepreneurial, self-motivated and found that I work best when um, I don't have to report to somebody. But, you know, as a young person graduating college, you, you know, you follow that traditional route. You, you right. get a job working for a big institution and, and they've served me well. And I've learned a tremendous amount working in big institutions. But ultimately, I knew that if I really wanted to be happy in life, I, I needed to set out on my own. Okay. I, you know, it, I'll say a similar path. I mean, uh, I grew up in upstate New York. I'm not sure we've ever discussed that. Uh, but you know, so, you know, shoveling snow or, uh, cutting grass, washing car, you know, that's how I made some of my earlier money. I had a, a paper route, which I'm not sure people do that anymore. I mean, you actually had your bicycle folding the papers and throwing them on people's. So from the very early age, and my dad was an entrepreneur and he got me involved very early on. I've told this story before. I, I think I must maybe 11, 12 or 13. One of my first jobs for him was he actually sent me to people's houses. He was a plumber, sent me to people's houses to collect money. And that was the most frightening thing I think I've ever experienced. It taught me a lot, but it, it was, I mean, you imagine sending a 12 year old kid out to knock on somebody's door to, you know, to collect 49.95 or whatever it was. And, you know, and he, and he gave me a little commission. Plus he gave me a small fee to go out and do it. But so he had me engaged in that business constantly. And, and I think that shaped me. My first entrepreneurial venture, I was 23. 
That one failed, learned a ton. Next one was seven years later, and that's the one I grew and I sold. Uh, and then a second one at the same time. And, and then I've tried a few more along the way. I call them dead bodies or litter along the road. And, you know, if, if you anybody who's done this has stories like that, the ones that just didn't work and, and the ones that did work. But we learn, right, from that one quote, right? It's, it's uh, the most important thing to do is the, well, not that one, the, uh, where's the other one? Oh, oh, I can't figure it out now. But there's that one quote I read. I mean, it's, 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 if you're not failing, you're not learning. And, I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. And that must mean that I could probably, you know, write an encyclopedia with all of my failures in my, in my life and career. <laughs> yeah. Uh, more than I, I don't care to remember. <laughs> I'm not certain uh, if your listeners would know what an encyclopedia is though. I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, hopefully they do. Um, it, you know, it's uh, it, it's funny, and I was um, when I got to the John F. Kennedy quote. I'm saying now everybody should know who John F. Kennedy is, <laughs> but hey, you never know. Um, so give me give me a, a, a no one more question before I move on to EOS. the The challenges that you faced in growing your businesses when when you're working with your members whether it's EOS or, or, your, or your, your coaching, do you find it's, that they have the same types of experiences and challenges in growing their businesses? I mean, do you find similar patterns from people making the same mistakes? <laughs> you know, I, I think that in many cases that is true. What I find out there is, is that an entrepreneur will you know, come to the market with a great product or a great service and it takes off. And then all of a sudden, you know, they look out into their organization and maybe there's 15 people, maybe there's 50 people, maybe there's 500 people, but they get to a point where they break out in this cold sweat, realizing that, wow, I know how to build that product to deliver that service, but, but I don't know how to run the business. And so there are very few schools out there for entrepreneurship that teach people how to run a business. Mm -hmm. And so I find that more often than not, the challenges that people face in running a business is, is that they just don't really know how to run the business. Everything happens by circumstance and by trial and error. And sometimes they succeed in spite of themselves. And it's those individuals who are humble enough to recognize that they don't have all of the answers and that they need to work with people who can help them get answers to their questions are the ones that I really enjoy working with. Sure. Yeah, I, I, I was in one of my uh, fractional jobs. I was uh, chief strategy officer for an organization that uh, a year earlier, they were five people and, you know, borrowing on credit cards. And a year later, they were pushing close to $100 million and with 50 people and, and they didn't know how to run a business. Yeah. And so myself and other people that came in, you know, our, our whole purpose was to help them get organized, to help them figure out how to manage and, and do all those kinds of things. And so I, I, I would probably, I would agree with that. There's so many people that, that they have this idea for product service, they roll it out. And then all of a sudden it's, how do they grow? How do they do that? How do they manage? How do they, you know, the old saying, right, working on the business and not in the business. And, and for many, many years, entrepreneurs tend to work in it and not thinking about on it to grow it. Absolutely agreed. 
So give me just, um, and I don't want to, I don't want to get off too far on EOS, but I, I, I want to give the audience a perspective in case they don't know what it is. So give me a, give me a 30,000 foot on EOS. Absolutely. So EOS is, uh, I often refer to it as a soft skill, not software, because when people hear EOS or the entrepreneurial operating system, they automatically go to technology. And it, it, it is in technology. What it is, is it's, a, it's, it's just the soft skills that people need to learn and adapt and adopt in their business to run their business more efficiently. And what we do is we help organizations with three things we call vision, traction, and healthy. And vision is just getting everybody 100% on the same page with where the organization is going and how they plan to get there. Sometimes the business owners themselves don't even know what the vision is because they haven't spent the time really sitting down to figure that out. Mm -hmm. The second is traction, just instilling a discipline and an accountability throughout the organization so that no matter where that business owner goes, he or she sees that everybody is executing on that vision. And then the third is healthy, just creating a more cohesive, functional, fun-loving team because unfortunately most of the time organizations do not have that cohesiveness, especially at the leadership team level. So what EOS does is it provides that leadership team with tools and disciplines around what we refer to as the six key components of a business to again, help them achieve vision, traction and healthy in their organization. And I'd be happy to go through what those six key components are if you'd like. Uh, sure, let's do that. Sure. So uh, the first key component is vision, and we spoke just briefly about that, getting everybody 100% on the same page. The second one is the people component, making certain that you have the right people in the right seats in the organization. The third is the data component, just really working the business based upon facts, figures, as opposed to the egos and subjective emotions that so often drive decision making in an organization. The fourth key component is the issues component. And this is just helping an organization learn a technique to solve those issues, to make those issues go away for the long-term greater good of the organization. The fifth key component is the process component. And this is just putting together a set of procedures for all of the major tasks in the organization. Uh, and we're not talking creating a 700-page SOP manual that people wouldn't use. What we're talking about is just documenting the 20% of the steps that will get an organization 80% of the way there because it will create consistency, scalability, and just make the organization easier to manage. And the sixth key component, which, which I really believe is the most critical component, is the traction component. And traction is just putting together a 90-day action plan for the organization where you establish rocks or goals for the organization every 90 days, and the leadership team also will establish rocks or goals for themselves over a 90-day world so that we create for them this 90-day machine that they know exactly what they want to accomplish every 90 days. Okay. Okay. Now, this isn't something, it sounds like with the way you're describing it, this doesn't happen overnight. There's an investment of time up front. And then as they're looking at the 90 days, so your involvement is heavy up front and then kind of sporadic through the course of a year? 
And that's very insightful, Angelo. You know, there are a number of programs out there, services out there for business owners to tap into. You know, seminars, as an example, they may go to an offsite one day seminar and they'll walk away with great information. And I'm sure that the content is wonderful. But what happens is, is that when people get back to their places of business, you know, uh, all of a sudden the issues, the raw, you know, the challenges hit them and they, they put the uh, worksheets and workbooks into their desk drawer and they forget about it. Maybe they'll retain 10% of what they heard. But as an implementer, I work with these organizations for an extended period of time, helping them really push the concepts of EOS all the way throughout the organization. So what we'll do is we'll set up a full day session, which we call a focus day. We get the leadership team off site. We teach them the tools and disciplines. They then go back into their workplace for 30 days and they use those tools. And then we come back 30 days later and we begin what we call vision building days. And those are two full session days, again, 30 days apart so that they can really use these tools in their business and exercise those muscles. And then after that, I work with my clients on a quarterly basis where I facilitate their quarterly meetings, looking back at the promises that they've made, those rocks that they've established for their 90-day world, and then holding them accountable for the things that they promised that they would do and helping them hold each other accountable. We then reset the rocks for the next 90 days, and then the rest of the day is spent really helping them solve the most critical issues in their business that would be holding them back over that next 90-day period. Okay. So thank you for that. Let, so let's now go look at uh, CEO access. Yes. And in your, how do you see EOS? Cause these are your two businesses now, EOS and CEO access. How, how, how synergistic are they going to be? Or are they two different audience? I mean, we in two different markets, two different verticals, or is there, are they symbiotic? They are, they are totally symbiotic from, from this perspective, you know, with EOS, as an implementer, I roll up my sleeves along with the business owners, giving them the tools and disciplines and working with them, coaching them along the way to use those tools and disciplines throughout their business. Whereas a mastermind group helps the business owner with issues and challenges that they have uh, by getting a sounding board, by having a sounding board of other business owners to, to hash those issues out. I often refer to it as a mastermind group is the on-ramp to a freeway, and then EOS is the actual freeway. Okay. And I believe that business owners need both. Uh, yeah, you know, that's perfect explanation. I, li I like it, it's, and I believe that it does. I mean, having peers that you can talk to and bounce ideas off in a, you know, in a safe and secure environment, I, I have found to be very beneficial. And then digging in and, and, you know, working with the team it, it, and you use the phrase, but it was vision, but you said alignment. And that's a word I use a lot. I find so many times when I start working with an organization, one of my first steps is to, to look at alignment because that's going to determine how much work or kinds of work that I might need to do. You can't really develop a, a long-term strategic marketing plan to reach certain goals if you know, we're, we're in a bumper car situation and people are bouncing all over the place and we're all not moving in the same direction. So, okay, that makes, I, I like that. And, and so was that part of your offering or will, because if I was in your EOS, 
then I then I would also could be in your CEO access, for example. Uh, you certainly can. You certainly can. And look, there are a number of wonderful organizations out there that offer mastermind services. Uh, I, I'm sure you know of many of them out there, and I'm sure that our listeners will know of many of them out there, and they're all absolutely fabulous. The What makes CEO Access unique, and we talked about this just briefly at the beginning of the uh, discussion, is that CEO Access will be working with those organizations, such as maybe commercial banks, business banks, um, HR outsourcing companies, um, law firms, or any other organization out there whose clientele base are business owners. Mm -hmm. And the reason why we put CEO Access together is because what we're finding is, is that many of these organizations out there are just missing, missing the boat. They're not reading the tea leaves, so to speak, in terms of the changing demographic. And what I mean by that is, is that most organizations are so focused on acquiring a new customer that they're paying very little attention to retaining existing customers. And the statistics out there are just eye-opening. As an example, it costs an organization six to seven times more to acquire a new customer than it does to retain an existing customer. Mm -hmm. Another statistic out there is, is that 50% of an organization's clientele base will just leave between the years two and five. And so for organizations that aren't focused on the reasons why they're losing their clients through the back door, they're falling further and further behind. And not to ignore, obviously, the economic environment that we're in today as a result of the shutdown due to the pandemic, it's going to be even more challenging for organizations to demonstrate to their clientele base why they should continue to work with them. Mm -hmm. And so we feel that the program is, uh, is coming out at the right time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it, you said something that I, I, I believe in and is that companies need to spend as much time looking at, at internal processes and operations. And, and the reason I say that is, is, uh, is like company or client loss, for example, retention and, and churn rate. And so many times, they, because we're so focused on the new business or, or and not paying attention to the current customer base, we miss signs. We miss indications that there's problems. So I, I was working with a financial organization and, and, and they sold their products and services to retailers. And so in a meeting one day, somebody was talking about, hey, we lost 10 retailers last week or that kind of stuff. And my question is, did we see it coming? And they said, no, we didn't. So I said, let me see what, how you're collecting this information, how we're you know, putting it into a database. Well, in their situation, they were just writing it on paper. There was no formal process. So you wrote it on paper. I typed it into the computer, but there was no database to collect it. Because what I was after, we're looking for key indicators that the client fire us using predictive analytics. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I wanted to do. Another situation, I, I was out talking to customers from one of my clients and I, and I heard stuff that there were strong indications that they were in trouble. And when I brought it to the client, their answer was, no, they love us. So, no, they love your product. They have no idea who you are. You haven't talked to them in over a year. And there's new people. And there's competitors sniffing around who are building relationships. So just by staying in touch and watching and monitoring, it's, it's why I always talk about establishing an ongoing competitive, competitive intelligence program. 
It's not something you do on your annual planning, something you do, you know, consistently because competitors change. They're watching you and they make, they make adjustments to take advantage of your mistakes. Angela, what I would tell you is, is that, you know, uh, there are surveys out there of clients who leave the organizations that they were doing business with. And um, one of the answers are to the question as to why you left uh, was um, perceived indifference by the organization that they were doing business with. And 68% of the respondents said that that was the reason why they left an organization. 68% of the uh, respondents didn't feel that the organization that they did business with cared. And I actually commend the organization that you were working with because they knew that they had a problem. I'll give you a, a, a case and example. Uh, one of my clients is a lighting company. And he was telling me a story that one of his providers of, of, of light bulbs, uh, he was doing $250,000 of business with per year. And just last year, he dropped that order down to $1,000. And it's been a year. And he has not received even a phone call or an email from anybody in that organization to find out what happened. Right. Yeah, wow, wow. If you can see the video, the hair is standing on the back of my neck. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, I mean, you, we could sit here and talk horror stories of, of things that are done that in some cases it just seems so simple and so logical, but uh, hey, that's why we're in business. Um, so I love that story. Tell me another story that uh, for my listeners uh, of, of how somebody used, whether and you can decide, EOS or, 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 or CEO access, and how they really benefited from it. You know, what were their challenges and, and, and what did that do? Because I like stories. I like success stories. I also like stories where it didn't work out. Again, we benefit from those failures. So give me a story. Sure. You know, what comes to mind is, is that a number of my clients are running family-owned businesses, uh, husband and wife teams, uh, maybe the, uh, the adult children are in the business, um, maybe it's, a, you know, a nephew or a niece or something of that nature. But quite often when it's a family-run business, the, uh, the one at the top, um, and I have situations where it's a female running the business and the husband is in a secondary role and vice versa. But in many cases, you know, obviously there's a, there's a fear of letting the other person know that they're not happy with the performance um, of the other person in the business. And, um, and that extends not only to family members, but often, you know, with entrepreneurs, it extends to anybody on the leadership team, because there's always this concern that if I'm trying to hold my people accountable too much, I may lose them. And that couldn't be further from the truth. And what we find in EOS is, is that we create a transparent world, a transparent organization where everything is on the table and people can't hide in the woodwork anymore because the numbers are out there, the goals are out there, everybody is assigned to certain goals and things of that nature. And we find that in a, in a transparent organization that those kind of issues tend to resolve themselves. In some cases, it could be where the spouse realizes that they're the one holding the business back and they voluntarily decide to move on and the organization catapults to the next level. In other cases, it would require maybe a, a little bit more of a difficult conversation. 
And in another case, um, the, the wife who is the, uh, the, the one who owns the business, the husband was in a, a, a different role and wasn't performing well. And as a result of going through EOS, um, they were able to turn that situation around and they're both now reaping the benefits of it. Okay, fantastic, thank you. Um, so we're both small businesses and, and, and we're in a constant pursuit of new business, business development, and then obviously we're working with our clients and there's always a challenge of, you know, that balance of doing new business activities, but making sure that our clients aren't suffering because we're doing it. So, and I believe like me, networking is, is a big marketing tool for you. And, but what are the kind of the strategies you use to market your organization? I would definitely uh, share with you um, your perspective that networking is so critical, you know, um, knowing more people out there, but in, more importantly, knowing people who actually swim in, in our pond. Mm -hmm. It's one thing for us to participate in networking, but with a completely different business demographic that isn't going to produce the kind of results that, that we need. So it's really important that from a networking perspective, we are really focused on organizations and groups um, that are in the same market that we're in. Um, you know, I'm going after businesses, so I'm going to focus my time on organizations where the members are focused on the same demographic, as opposed to, you know, a BNI that may be more business to consumer. Right. So networking is absolutely critical. And, and for me, what's really, really worked are these one-on-ones. So while this is an interview for a podcast, I view this as a one-on-one -on -one where we can really talk about our businesses, mm -hmm. learn what, you know, we can do to help one another. And if there is a meeting of minds, then we work together to help each other. And that's been uh, exceedingly successful for me. Okay. Do you do any kind of digital marketing or anything else? Just out of curiosity. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty prolific in LinkedIn. I think that that's a fabulous networking uh, arena for those of us who are business to business focused. And that has reaped some significant benefits for me. Um, more for me in terms of farming opportunities through LinkedIn and Sales Navigator and then mm -hmm. posting. Uh, I haven't done any ads through LinkedIn yet. And in fact, you know, I'm thinking about it, but I'm not certain whether or not that's going to produce the ROI that would make it worth its while. Yeah. Yeah. There's, you know, I'm a big believer in integration and integrated marketing. So um, I, I, I like you believe networking and, and meeting people, especially on the one-on-one -on -one or one-on-two mm -hmm. is extremely important. I, I, I've been to, numerous meetings over the years and you know at the end of the day is thinking to myself why why did I go to all those I used to actually um, about five years ago I'd go to a lot of marketing meetings and then I would I mean for a while there I was doing like three meetings a week and my wife was going you know what are you doing and I was hitting product managers and marketing people and social media people and then at the one day I was said I'm just talking to myself there's no prospects and they were all you know we're like peacocks all you know feathers are up and we're all trying jockeying for a position and so I stopped that and like you go to the meetings that are like people that potentially 
you know, I can benefit from them and they can benefit from me. So, Angelo, I uh, started an initiative in early 2020 called 100 in 2020. And you might have seen some of my LinkedIn posts where I mm -hmm. had that logo on there and uh, I put up some photos and, you know, did a little blog of a meeting that I might have had with a business owner. I find for myself, I'm quite a visual learner. And I really enjoy going into business owners, places of business, whether they be connectors, people that, you know, would be good referral sources or people that are running their own companies to see how their operations run. And the better I can visualize and understand how their businesses run, the better of a resource I can be to my clients and my prospects in helping them find the tools and resources they need to be successful. Mm -hmm. Now, unfortunately, you know, COVID uh, put a little bit of a damper on that. Uh, but uh, the moment that I am able to get back out there and do that, I'm going to continue to do that because I think it's beneficial for all involved. Yeah, I, I agree. So we are, we are down to the last uh, few minutes. So this final question then, I mean, this show is, is we've covered a wide variety of topics today and some great insights. I think we all learn from the stories that we tell and the things that we do. But the show is about business growth and, and my listeners are business owners. So if you could make two, maybe three suggestions, you know, for my, our listeners, based on your experiences, what you do, um, that they could have takeaways to help them, you know, stay focused and achieve their growth goals. You know, the first thing that I would say is, is that there is a, there is a shift, as I mentioned earlier, um, that we all need to get on board with. And uh, it's called the, uh, the experience economy. We've lived through the information age, which has created a commodity out of most businesses, because with so much information out there, our prospects are doing all of the research before they even call us. They determine at what price point or at what service level they expect from an organization. And then they go after trying to find an organization that would deliver uh, the service or the product at that price. But to, uh, to continue to market ourselves in an information age mentality just will demonstrate that we're, we're falling further and further behind. We have to think about what it is that we can do to help our clients become more successful. And what is the experience that we can give them that'll take them out of that price comparison mode to back to a relationship uh, relationship kind of uh, organization that they want to work with. So constantly think about how to think beyond offering a product or a service that'll change the life of your customer in a positive way. And if you do that, you will win their loyalty. So that's, that's the, the first thing that I would recommend. And the second thing is, you know, it, now is the time to really put structure into your business rather than running things in kind of the haphazard method that brought you success to date, the more structure you could put into your environment, whether it be, you know, under EOS or any other kind of system that you find uh, amiable to yourself and your business, take that time now to really develop that structure in your organization because it'll help catapult you to the next level. And then the third thing is, um, do reach out to other business owners, create a camaraderie with other business owners, whether you create your own mastermind group or you join 
you know, those organizations out there uh, because that'll help give you insight into your blind spots. All right. Well, I appreciate that. I'm sure my listeners, listeners will love that as well. This has been a wonderful conversation. I thank you so much for your time and, and coming on. I, I know we had a few hiccups uh, technology-wise to get this thing going, but it turned out fantastic, and I learned a lot, and, and hopefully you enjoyed the conversation as well. Angelo, I always enjoy the conversation with you, and I learn quite a bit from you every time I speak with you as well. So thank you. Thank you. So why don't we tell the listeners how they can contact you, your website, your LinkedIn, any, all that good information. Absolutely. Absolutely. The best way to reach me is by phone. And my number is 949-933-7705. You can also uh, check me out on the, uh, on the web. Uh, the new organization is uh, www.ceoaccess.com. Dot com and I spell access differently. It is A X X E S S. So again, that is www.ceoaccess.com. All right. And I assume you have LinkedIn and all that good stuff. I do. I do. I believe it's uh, linkedin.com uh, forward slash P Worth, P W I R T H is my LinkedIn. All right. Uh, so lots of different ways. Again, thank you so much, Paul. I really appreciate it. And thank you out there for joining us at the cafe today. You can find out more about me, read my blogs, or view my videos, or sign up to receive future information at theponzagroup.com, or certainly connect with me on LinkedIn. And if your business is ready for growth and you need a CMO, but you're not quite ready for a full-time person yet, connect with me. I'd welcome the opportunity to explore the benefits of using a fractional CMO. And lastly, please subscribe to this show. And if you're already a subscriber, I encourage you to let others know about it so they can join, enjoy the great content like we had today. Or you can find out more at thebusinessgrowthcafe.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Join me next week at the Business Growth Cafe. Paul, thank you so much. Thank you too, Angela. All righty. Thank you for listening to today's discussion at the Business Growth Cafe with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and visit our website at www.businessgrowthcafe.com. Read Angelo Ponzi's blogs at www.theponzigroup.com.